This is Key the Mic, a podcast on the leading edge of fire service innovation. I'm your host, Inanna Hinky. Join me as we unpack today's emerging issues and the minds and tools at work to solve them. We all rely on 911 centers to process emergency phone calls and dispatch the local EMS. I think what PulsePoint shows us is that a lot of this can be done in an automated way in the background to get responders to the scene of an emergency more quickly. And I think that's something we're going to see a lot of movement on in the future. Douglas Shragi has 39 years of experience as a firefighter and fire officer. He served for over 25 years with the Anchorage Fire Department, holding every rank from firefighter to deputy chief. Since then, he's been leading the University of Alaska Fairbanks Fire Department program, where he has educated and overseen the training of firefighters throughout the state and beyond. He will be returning to Anchorage to serve as the fire chief starting July 1st, 2021. Chief Shragi serves on the board of directors for the International Association of Fire Chiefs and is past president of the Western Fire Chiefs Association and the Alaska Fire Chiefs Association. But today, he joins us to discuss how Fairbanks became the first and only community in Alaska to implement PulsePoint as a way to increase bystander engagement and shorten response times in the event of sudden cardiac arrest. Chief, for those who might not be familiar with it, what is PulsePoint? Good morning, and thank you for that question. PulsePoint is one of my favorite things to talk about. PulsePoint is a crowdsourcing app that people can download for free and it connects people that are in cardiac arrest with people that know how to perform CPR. And communities that have implemented PulsePoint have seen dramatic increases in their cardiac arrest survival rates. So it's just an amazing thing. It's been an amazing thing for our community. So I mentioned that Fairbanks is the first and only PulsePoint-connected borough in Alaska, and we actually had to look this up. I understand that boroughs are similar to counties, as we would call it here in Oregon, just to give our listeners a sense of the scale of Fairbanks. Why was this specific community chosen to receive the PulsePoint rollout? You're correct that in Alaska, we refer to them as boroughs instead of counties, but fundamentally, they're basically the same exact entity. Uh, Why do we do it here? It's because it's where I work. This is my community. It has been for the past 10 years or so, and we have a real need to improve our own cardiac arrest survival rates. So that's why we chose Fairbanks. Fairbanks has 11 fire departments and 321 firefighters, most of whom are volunteer. Were there challenges that your crews were facing when responding to cardiac incidents before PulsePoint? Yes. So with 11 fire departments serving an area of about 100,000 people prior to implementing PulsePoint, each fire department basically functioned entirely independently from one another. There was very little automatic aid. Mutual aid was quite common. Mutual aid, of course, is when one fire department can request the assistance of a nearby fire department, but it wasn't done automatically. So there might be a cardiac arrest or even a fire that occurred at the distant corners of somebody's service area, which might actually be closer to a fire station belonging to a different fire department. The dispatch center didn't know that, and uh, we just went to just our own calls unless we were asked for help somewhere else. I think that degraded our survival statistics from sudden cardiac arrest because response times were longer. We didn't necessarily send the closest unit. 
and the important life-saving care was delayed. You were very instrumental in pulse point implementation, not only supporting it as it was initially discussed, but also putting it in place. Once it was approved, how did you approach implementing such a large scale project? Well, it was a big effort. And the first step was to get buy-in from the other 10 fire chiefs. With 10 fire departments, we have 10 fire chiefs, uh, each accustomed to doing things their own way. And as we're fond of saying in the fire service, there are two things that firefighters don't like, things that stay the same and things that change. So uh, (laughs) the first step was to introduce my peers across the borough to Pulse Point, help explain what it is. And before I ever even suggested the idea of implementing it locally, Because of my role with the Western Fire Chiefs Association, I had the chance to give a monthly report to the other fire chiefs. And I just started talking about Pulse Point and how other communities had done this and how Tualatin Valley Fire and Rescue arranged for AEDs for all of their employees to have accessible to them. And uh, just started generating some interest and a little bit of excitement around it. And I, I did this for some number of months before even suggesting that, you know, we could do this in Fairbanks. It's an expensive program by our standards with 11 small fire departments around here. We all have comparatively small budgets and to to come up with the money to implement Pulse Point was an immediate challenge. So the other step was for me to begin working on lining up support outside of the fire service. And we secured some very generous and large contributions from uh, nonprofits in the area that wanted to support this program. That leads a bit into my next question, which I'm curious how you introduce the program. Of course, you have to cover it with the fire chiefs, but also the citizens, because it requires some buy-in there as well with folks who know how to administer CPR and then also signing up for the app. We began talking about our emergency medical services performance publicly as part of this effort. The taxpayers around here, like probably many communities, they pay taxes through their mortgage payments or maybe directly. And those taxes support the emergency services that we all receive. But there's historically, it's not been a real strong community connection to the fire departments. And so they didn't necessarily know what our performance was or what our challenges were. And so when we began teaching CPR in the community and explaining how unusual it is for a cardiac arrest victim to survive the event to hospital discharge. It's discouraging. And so when we started talking about a possible solution, which is Pulse Point, people were ready to hear about it and they were interested in it. And so I think that was an effective strategy. That's great that they were so easily on board. And it makes sense when you're saving lives, of course, you'd want your community members to be invested in that. Is there anything that you learned throughout the process that you'd like to share? Well, I learned a lot from this implementation. The single biggest challenge was developing a system of coordination among all of the different fire departments. It took a lot of accommodation on the part of all of us in order to move this forward. And any single person or any single fire department could have probably disrupted the effort if they were so inclined, but that didn't happen. I won't say it happened right away. It took some number of weeks or longer for everybody to start accepting the idea that we would be working on this and accepting the idea that instead of every 
fire department being able to have access to the rosters and the database. Uh, PulsePoint prefers to have a small number of admins. And so we had to find admins that would be acceptable to everybody and that people would welcome. Those are the things that I learned about, and I think we're all better because of it. Since PulsePoint launched in Fairbanks two years ago, there have been 200 PulsePoint activations with an average of 8.6 responders notified each time. Tell me about what makes that number significant. I've been told by the folks at PulsePoint that that number is quite high, that most communities don't see numbers that high. We also have the verified responder component in place here in Fairbanks, which provides a higher level of notification access for people who are validated fire and emergency responders and who are credentialed with a local fire department. For example, the citizen responder who receives a pulse point alert wouldn't necessarily be notified of a cardiac arrest in a private residence for privacy reasons, but local fire and EMS responders could be. And so that's the verified responder component. What's significant about it is a high percentage of our firefighters and EMTs around the area are volunteers. They are motivated by a sense of altruism. They're very used to going on calls in the middle of the night and not being compensated. And so for that reason, I think PulsePoint was a good fit for our community. But it's not limited to just the volunteers. The career and union firefighters, paramedics, and EMTs in this area are wholly on board as well uh, because they can see the results. They can see that these off-duty responders are arriving at the site of a patient in cardiac arrest and doing life-saving CPR, and in some cases, applying an external defibrillator before the ambulance or fire engine actually arrives. And so they're seeing the results. One thing that we've done is every time we had an activation where we had an off-duty responder arrive, we brought them to our monthly fire chiefs meeting and asked them to talk about their experience and really sort of celebrated the fact that they were volunteering their time and their knowledge and their expertise to help some person they didn't even know on their time off. That not only created awareness of how often this occurred, but also provided some recognition for the responders who went to these calls. What a great way to celebrate their involvement. So it sounds like you have a high number of responders, including those who are off duty. And from your answer, I'm assuming the answer is yes, but has PulsePoint improved outcomes for patients in Fairbanks in any significant way? Because we're a small community, just under 100,000 people spread out over an area that's larger than some states, our cardiac arrest survival rates haven't historically been very good. They've been better in the sort of city center. I don't want to use the word metropolitan because there's nothing about Fairbanks that's metropolitan. But in the area where the population density is higher, the cardiac arrest survival rate is higher because they have closer access to EMS. But some of the ambulance transport times around here are measured in hours instead of minutes. And so our numbers haven't been that high. Also, because of the smaller population, our cardiac arrest survival rate statistics are subject to wide variations. A difference of just two or three patients in a year can really cause big swings in performance data. But overall, I'm going to say the answer is undeniably yes, our survival rates have improved. 
they've been hovering around 50% for the past couple of years. Last year, it dipped to 32% because we had fewer cardiac arrests and fewer of them survived to hospital discharge. And I'm basing this on the OOTS team score for those who are familiar with that protocol. So we're all feeling really good about it. And I think as time goes on and as our population increases, we'll continue to see improvements. What do you recommend for other departments that are interested in bringing PulsePoint to their communities? Well, don't be deterred by the expense of it. And for a larger municipal fire department, the expense is quite manageable. But if you're a small community, your community is a place where PulsePoint can make a real difference to people that you probably know. So don't be deterred by the cost. In our case, we engage the Rotary Club of Fairbanks, we engage the Hospital Foundation, and we engage the Fire Chiefs Association who also contributed some of their own money to bring PulsePoint here. And they all recognize the value of the program and the prospects for what it would do for us. And all we did is start educating the people about it and asking for the money, and the money was forthcoming. The Rotary Club and the Hospital Foundation and the Fire Chiefs Association have basically committed to paying for the annual fee in perpetuity. It's a wonderful testament to the power of community here. I like to ask this question of most of our guests, but Chief, from your perspective, what does the future of emergency response look like? Well, PulsePoint, I think, is going to figure well into the future of emergency service. I think what it illustrates is the power of community engagement, and it illustrates how mobile technology can be leveraged to improve the quality of service that we provide. Just thinking out of the box a little bit, communities all around the country, sometimes these are city services or sometimes they're regional. We all rely on 911 centers to process emergency phone calls and dispatch the local EMS. I think what PulsePoint shows us is that a lot of this can be done in an automated way in the background to get responders to the scene of an emergency more quickly. And I think that's something we're going to see a lot of movement on in the future. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, if it's not evident, I'm a big fan of PulsePoint. I look forward to bringing PulsePoint to my next community. And if you haven't taken the plunge, I would welcome people to contact me and I would love to be a partner in your own implementation. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Chief. This is a wonderful program to hear about, and it's great to hear it from somebody who was part of the entire process, from even just starting to discuss it, to introducing it to other fire departments in your area, and all the way through implementation, and even a couple of years into seeing it as it works. I appreciate your perspective. It's my pleasure, and I thank you for the opportunity. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Stay safe out there, and until next time. For more information about our podcast and today's episode, visit our website at keythemic.org. That's key the mic.org. That's keythemic.org.